You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Your Philadelphia Eagles upon much, uh, much worry. It wasn't, it wasn't without worry with those two weeks of Gardner Minshew, but the Eagles took care of business against the Giants and now are your number one overall seed in the NFC. Clinched that all-important uh, bye week and home field advantage throughout the postseason. What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another edition of the EPA podcast brought to you by BGN Radio on Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, Victor Williams. Be sure to follow me on all platforms at the Philly Pod. Do the same for my co-host here joining me. Uh, he's Mr. Shane Half. Follow him on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. Uh, if you're new to Bleeding Green Nation, checking out the shows, be sure to subscribe on Apple iTunes, uh, Spotify, wherever else you get your shows. Be, be sure to rate five stars. Leave those reviews. Bring the uh, the the uh, network of shows here on Bleeding Green Nation to more eyes and ears of NFL fans, uh, Eagles fans, you know, football fans all around. As we gear up for the NFL postseason Super Wild Card Weekend, they call it Super because it, it goes into Monday now. So I guess that makes it. That makes it a <laughs> makes it super. The Eagles obviously won't uh, take part in this weekend. They'll await the lowest remaining seed that comes out of Wild Card Weekend and gear up for that divisional matchup. But Shane, it's been a few weeks. I know you did a, a solo show last week while I was uh while I was off the grid, but it's been a few weeks since uh, the two of us have been on here together at, since since uh, before holiday break. So hope you're doing well, man. Hope you enjoyed your holiday. Um, good to hear. You know, obviously all the all the great Hamlin news. Uh, to this point, I wasn't on here to to really get into it and talk about it, but fantastic news all around, and it's good to get back up on here on the soapbox to to talk about the uh, the important Philadelphia Eagles. How you feeling, man? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like the NFL should move the season up a month so we don't have like Christmas right in the middle of everything. It really throws content creators for a loop uh, mm-hmm, trying to do sure stuff does. around all of that. But I'm feeling good. I, I'm especially thankful in this season, in this new year for the NFL schedule makers who did the Eagles a big favor, uh, putting Dallas Tampa Bay on Monday night football, uh, assuming, you know, if the, if the teams that win their games are the, if the teams that are supposed to win their games, win their games, that means the Eagles would be playing the winner of Dallas Tampa Bay and mm-hmm. they would be coming off of a short week. So uh, that's big news. And, you know, if that doesn't happen, if that's not the case, if the giants were to win their game or the Seahawks were able to win their game, the NFL will almost certainly put that game on a Saturday uh, because they're not going to ask the Cowboys to, or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to play on a Saturday after Monday. So even at that, uh, the Eagles are going to be playing somebody coming off of a short week while they're coming off of a bye. So uh, nice little favor there. It's nice to be the one seed. That's for sure. Yeah, I am. I am personally hoping for a Saturday game. I've kind of cleared my day out specifically on Saturday, kind of hoping for that. So let's uh, let's all pray that we get a uh, Saturday uh, uh, playoff game out of it, but you're right. It's how, even for me personally, getting back into the content swing of things. That holiday break, as as the season ends, and you know, excitement drives up for the postseason. It is tough for us to uh, to to get back on track as as podcasters and writers, and and having that that kind of week off there in between Christmas and New Year's, and then have to flip the switch back on and get back into grind mode. It's certainly 
uh, certainly tougher. We're here to dive into it. The very, very exciting game that was week 18 of the Giants and the Eagles. I tried to warn people. A lot of people were asking me. I think the line was up to like 16 and a half at one point. People were like, man, that's a lot of points. Should I do it? And I was like, I'm almost certain the Eagles will allow a backdoor cover. I don't think 16 and a half points uh, is is I don't think they're going to going to win by that much. And of course, that wasn't the case. The Eagles come out of that game winning 22 to uh, to 16. Now, Shane, I thought me now my approach into this game, I assumed it was going to be like a like like a preseason game. The Eagles were going to approach it uh, vanilla play calling. I figured Sirianni was going to get Jalen Hurts some work, but not reveal all of the game plan because obviously the postseason is coming up. You don't re- want to reveal everything that's going on and you don't want Jalen Hurts to do a lot of the same stuff he was doing prior to injury while he is uh, trying to get himself back into game shape. Apparently he hasn't thrown the, like last Thursday was the first time he's thrown the ball. I don't know all the uh, reports and rumors and I'm hearing different information in regards to the injury. It's worse than it seems. It's more than a sprain, whatever the, uh, the, the situation is. But from what I saw in the giants game, I was content with it. And halfway through the third quarter, I was telling myself like I was I was telling myself like this is this is this is an okay outcome and then I go to Twitter and then I see everybody in uproar oh my goodness the offense is lacking heading into the postseason oh my goodness getting this oh my goodness we're not we're not this this is not the shape you want to be in heading into the postseason mind you I don't know if you remember of course we all do but how Nick Foles looked heading into the postseason in those two games not great not great so I guess from from your perspective Shane I want to know how do you feel heading into the playoffs after watching what Jalen Hurts did in uh, uh, in week 18. I was content with the way it went down, just get the work done, clean the one seed, get out of there, keep Hurts healthy. But a lot of fans seem to be upset. Which side of the fence are, are, are you on heading into the playoffs? You know, let's not forget for all the talk of postseason momentum that in 2017, the Eagles, uh, Eagles fans were having legitimate, uh, unironic conversations about if Nate Sudfeld should get his first career start on wildcard weekend. That's how bad the offense looked with Nick Foles. So, that Raiders uh, game is ugly. Do you yeah. remember that Raiders game? God. Yeah. So it does not matter. The momentum you take into the postseason, it does not matter. It's one thing if you're just playing poorly. It's another thing if you got your quarterback coming off of missing two weeks running a vanilla game plan and it just doesn't look the same. And, you know, if we just want to run through some of the common complaints about the game, you know, obviously – there was talk about Jalen Hurts throwing the ball too much. Why aren't you just running the ball? But the whole idea was, yes, you need to win the game. You're not really concerned about that against the Giants' backups. At no point in this game did the Giants exceed a win probability of like 9%. So this was not a close game. Uh, it was never in doubt. And when the Eagles needed to, they put on a seven-minute scoring drive because they can do that. But it doesn't do anything to knock the rust off for Jalen Hurts having him hand the ball off, going on these seven-minute running drives all the time. So they let him throw the ball, and people were because, well, you're going to get him hit. You're going to get him killed. Jalen Hurts took four hits in that game, and two of them were him sitting down because pressure was coming, and a guy touched him while he was down. So he wasn't taking hits. Um, It was fine. He didn't run the ball as he shouldn't have. Uh, The Eagles let him throw the ball to try to get timing and consistency back, and then at the end of the game when they needed to – they ran the ball down the throats of the Giants, just like you knew they could have done all game. Uh, <laughs> I was fine. The, the two things for me in this game were get the win and get out healthy, and they accomplished both. So I, I don't really care what it looked like. It, that didn't matter to me at all. Right. That, that's that's where, where I stood. And we to, to your point, I never once felt like the Eagles were going to lose that game. And you shouldn't when uh, Davis Webb is 
throwing his first pass attempt of his NFL career. He's been in the league for five years. So <laughs> when you have a five-year, I guess you could call him a veteran coming to here, throw his first couple pass attempts. Sirianni felt like he didn't need to unleash the hounds, per se, to uh, to, to win this game. And I was perfectly fine with the way the game shook out. Would you have liked to seen, I guess, more fireworks short? But uh, it's not like they were short on, on big plays. A.J. Brown still had 95 yards. Devonta Smith still had seven catches for 67 yards. Uh, Boston Scott got his contractually obligated touchdown against the <laughs> against the Giants. So I was fine for 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 what it was. Jalen Hurts ran the ball. I don't know how many of it was was designed, but the box score says nine carries for 13 yards. Some of those are scrambles. I'm sure the the uh, the uh, the analytics say that some of those um, were designs. He probably tried to run it a few times. Yeah, he but, so he had the only designed run he had was the QB sneak. Um, some of those. Most of those other runs were him scrambling out of bounds. Like he never, he never took hits uh, running the football. He slid, he went out of bounds. He slid behind the line of scrimmage on like the first drive. And it was the best play he made all game because I was concerned about that. You know, he's a fiery guy. He's a competitor. I was concerned that no matter what you tell him in the game, he's going to lower that. Shot I'm running. Down. I'm and running. I don't care. <laughs> I was glad to see that Nick Sirianni put the fear of God in him about doing that. Uh, I said, I think I said it, I don't remember if it was on this show or another one, but I said that if I was Sirianni, I would have told Jalen Hurts, the first time you do that, you're done. Your your day is over. You're coming to sit by me and we're going to put Gardner in. So I don't know what kind of threats it took, but it was nice to see Jalen show that restraint. Now I will I will say that I'm sure a lot of the fans expected as as myself I expected to see Gardner Minshew in by by halftime in case the Eagles ran up the score it was like 28 nothing by halftime put in Gardner Minshew but I kind of preferred that Jalen Hurts played the whole game it's not like he had to try for for half of that game a lot of it was just like you said hand it off short passes you know find AJ Brown uh, things along along those lines so uh, I for one am glad I didn't see a, a gar, gar, Gardner Minshew I think the, those two games were were enough of what I of what I had to see. So I'm glad the starters got, got their reps in. I'm glad that the, uh, the, the Devontae Smith got his receptions record. AJ Brown got his record for surpassing it. Mike quick and things of, of that nature. Uh, Shane, you haven't been as hard and rightfully so haven't been as hard on, on Jonathan Gannon as, as the fan base has. And luckily didn't give up that third and 29 at the giants game. We were all holding our breath <laughs> during, during that, but they didn't give it up. You know, they just rolled up all the defenders uh, along that first down marker. And, and and kept them at bay, but now that the season is the regular season anyway is is wrapped up, and the Eagles have uh you know broke the franchise sack record. They have the number one pass defense in the league, top of the league in points per game allowed, and uh, and a lot more stats that are among the top of the league. So, as we all assume, Jonathan Gannon is probably going to be uh, a head coach of some football team next year, whether it's the Texans or whoever. The Texans are going to interview both Gannon and Shane Steichen. It looks like they'll both be vying. For that job, but uh, I'm not sure how enticing that job would be. But that's for you know Gannon to decide. He was amongst the uh, top candidates last season. I assume he will be this season as well. Are you are you going to be sad to uh, to, to well not I guess not sad like you know <laughs> uh, upset to see Jonathan Gannon leave this defense? Is it going to be detrimental if Jonathan Gannon does uh, uh, leave the team as defensive coordinator, or was he, as fans like to put it, was he a beneficiary of just very very good talent on the on the defensive end? Yeah, any uh, well, anytime you have a good coordinator leave, uh, you're always sad about that. And you consider him a good coordinator. Let's I do. That yeah. Okay, okay. Bad coordinators <laughs> don't get hired to be head coaches somewhere else. They're at least good at what they're coordinating if they're getting hired, even if it's by an organization as incompetent as the Texans. But uh, new coordinator a lot of times means a new scheme or at least different twists on the scheme, and so it hurts your continuity. So you hate to see that. Uh, 
you know, I'm not as I'm not as sold on Jonathan Gannon ending up with a head coaching job somewhere. I, I think Steichen's definitely going to be gone. I no, think for sure. I think Gannon might get caught in a numbers game where most teams want to hire an offensive minded guy, and rightfully so. And if you talk about defensive guys, D'Amico Ryan's is the top of the list. And then your second tier is where Jonathan Gannon, as as well as, you know, Big Lou from Cincinnati, Gino Evero from Denver. Those guys are all kind of in that second tier of defensive coordinator. And I don't know if there's going to be that many teams. Now, the Texans, there was smoke around that last year. I think we all know the Texans really just want to hire Josh McCown. They're just not sure if yeah. they can survive the social media revolt, especially after what happened with Jeff Saturday in Indianapolis. Um, but yeah, if you lose a coordinator on either side of the ball, it's going to cause it's, it's not ideal. Um, the Eagles, I think can more easily withstand losing an offensive coordinator since they have an offensive minded head coach than they can a defensive coordinator though. So yeah, I'll definitely be sad if Jonathan Gannon is gone next year. Yeah, flip, flipping to the uh, to the offensive side of it, Shane Steichen, like you mentioned, is more 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 than likely to get hired somewhere. I think he has three interview requests with the Texans, the Colts, and I think the Panthers threw through their name in the hat uh, uh, as well. Now, obviously, when the uh, when the offense is as potent as it has been this year, and Jalen Hurts takes the leap that he has this year, the offensive coaches are certainly going to get a lot of looks. Even Brian Johnson, I've heard uh, a lot of teams look to to him as offensive coordinator if the Eagles don't promote him themselves if, if Shane Steichen does indeed leave. So uh, I know we saw the, the news this morning about the Jets and Michael LaFleur. Uh, we talked prior to the show about, about perhaps that news was, uh, was, was, was not true and Michael LaFleur is going to remain with the Jets. Uh, but if he is available, I certainly would take a look at him. Eagles Twitter disagrees. They're yelling at me as we speak that the Jets offense is terrible and that Zach Wilson's terrible and Michael LaFleur is at the head of all that. I don't think he's the reason why the Jets are bad this year, but that's a discussion. For, for another time. But if Steichen does leave, uh, is, is Brian Johnson your primary uh, candidate to be promoted to offensive coordinator? Does Sirianni go back to calling plays? What's your uh, inclination of, of how all that will shake out? I don't think Sirianni would go back to calling plays. He talked a lot about this offseason, how much he had, he liked that move of giving it up late last year. Uh, I think I think your short list, obviously, you've got Brian Johnson, your quarterback coach. You could promote him with from within. I and doubt have, Jalen Hurts even lets him out the organization. Like I doubt he yeah. even leaves the door. Like Jalen Hurts is guarding that door with his life. Like you aren't leaving. <laughs> right. And then you've also got the connections to the Colts. You've got Frank Reich and you've got Marcus Brady, who is a consultant right now. He was the chief's offensive coordinator uh, prior to all the fallout there this year. So I think either of those guys could be in play as well. I do think, I do think that would be your short list though. One of those three guys. Right, right, right. Yeah, certainly a lot of things to uh, to look at in regards to the uh, coaching staff as far as the Eagles are concerned. Uh, but all that comes after the postseason. They have much higher aspirations, and this is why they went all in on the uh, on a potential Super Bowl title this year because there's the laundry list of free agents, and when you're as successful, when you win 14 games, uh, you lose coordinators, and the Eagles could very well lose, lose both of them uh, this offseason. So now looking ahead to uh, Super Wildcard Weekend and the first round, of the of the postseason, the Eagles will play the the lowest seed remaining of the of the teams in the uh, uh, in the NFC. So Shane, I'll let you take the lead on the NFC playoff picture. Our predictions as far as that goes, and who w- we would like to see as far as the NFC divisional round is concerned. All right, so you've got the first game on the slate is the Saturday afternoon game. Uh, the seven seed in the NFC, Seattle Seahawks, are going to travel to the two seed, uh, the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Obviously, 
number one matchup that you would love if you're an Eagles fan is the 49ers, right? Because, or excuse me, not the 49ers. It's the Seahawks. Because <laughs> it's the it means toughest matchup Canada. I was about to say. <laughs> it's the Seahawks, right? Because one, because they're the lowest seed, they're limping into the playoffs. They're three and five since week 10, all of that. But also just because it means that the 49ers have been eliminated by somebody else. And I do think that's the toughest matchup. So in terms of thinking through the teams I would want to play, Seattle is them. I there I think there's almost a no zero percent chance that they win this game though. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough regardless of the quarterback situation in, in San Francisco. They proved to be very, very tough. I I did a poll this morning on Twitter asking who do the fans want to see the Eagles face the most in the NFC divisional round. Uh, of course, the Giants, Cowboys, Buccaneers, and Seahawks are the four potential opponents. The Giants lead the way at 33%. The Seahawks are right behind them at 31%. Cowboys, people want to see Eagles-Dallas uh, divisional round. I'm sure a championship game will be even more dramatic. And then the Bucks are last, of course, with Tom Brady, and they lost to them last uh, last last uh, last year at 17%. Uh, so it looks like the Giants and the Seahawks are, are neck and neck for who uh, the, the, the Eagles fans would, would like to see. So the 49ers and the Seahawks, yeah, not much hope for the Seahawks in this one. Geno hasn't looked particularly great to end the year. They do have Kenneth Walker uh, uh, as a stud running back who's been carrying that offense the last the last few weeks. But it's definitely going to be a a, a tough matchup for that uh, for 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 them. I don't see a way that the 49ers really uh, really lose this game on Saturday afternoon. <laughs> yeah, there's always the Brock Purdy factor making his first playoff start. But I'm convinced at this point that uh, – that it doesn't matter. I think Kyle Shanahan is just like playing Madden out here. He's holding the control on the sidelines, controlling that guy on the field. And I think Kyle Shanahan could probably win 12 games with you at quarterback. If we're being yeah. honest. Yeah. It looks like that's the way the 49ers are nine and a half point favorites in that, in that game. So if they lose something, something uh, definitely, definitely went wrong. The the next game, Shane, this is the game where I'm seeing a lot of people are expecting the Giants to, to upset the number three seed Minnesota Vikings. What chances are you putting on for, for Daniel Jones and his uh, potential, you know, free agency and the contract that he wants to demand in the offseason? What are your chances of the of the uh, NFC East rival Giants upsetting the Minnesota Vikings Sunday at 430? Um, let me ask you a question. Oh, Who no. would you rather have as your quarterback in a playoff game, Kirk Cousins or Daniel Jones? <laughs> What's the lesser of two evils? Because I'm not confident in either. Uh, well, Kirk has never done anything in the, in, the, in the postseason. We haven't seen have we have yet to see Daniel Jones in the postseason, right? So you don't even know what to yeah. expect there. He rushed for two touchdowns in his final regular season game, kind of put the offense on his back, so he does uh, have some have some motivation heading into the postseason. Um, so if I if I had to choose one of them. Tough yeah, it really is because I'm not confident in either. But I, I guess Daniel Jones just because he doesn't have a postseason track record to go by. So I guess I would just take the wild card in, in that. We know Kirk folds, so I'm not going to bank on somebody who has historical you know, background in uh, folding in the postseason. So I guess Daniel Jones just because of the unknown factor there. Yeah, I would take Jones as well. I think his mobility gives you a certain floor that Kirk Cousins just doesn't have. When things go bad for Kirk, they go really bad. And I don't trust him in a playoff game. Uh, their their offensive tackle, Brian O'Neill, and interior offensive lineman, Austin Schlotman, are both on IR. Their center, Garrett Bradbury, hasn't played since week 13. So Kirk's going to be behind an offensive line that's a little bit reeling. And the Giants' run D is not great, but the Vikings might not be able to take advantage of that. It came down to a 61-yard field goal the last time. Uh, I think the Giants 
are the better coach team. And I'm taking the Giants in this game. I do think the Giants are going to win. And I think that's going to end up being the Eagles divisional matchup. Whoa, yeah, that would be something. Kirk Cousins' career playoff record is currently sitting at one and three, so not a lot. And we all know about the primetime Kirk thing. I don't know if someday at four thirty is considered primetime, but I think every, I think that. we just consider every playoff game primetime. <laughs> yeah, because everybody's watching it. If there's one game happening at a time, it is certainly a, a primetime. Shane, I'll let you take the lead on the final NFC matchup, just because the Cowboys are notoriously bad against uh, the Buccaneers. So go ahead. Yeah, so Dallas, as the five seed, travels to Tampa Bay as the four seed. A fun fact, Tampa Bay has only beat one team this season by more than 10 points. Any guesses who it was? It has to be Dak Prescott and the Cowboys. Dallas, back in week one, they beat him uh, by 19. Now, obviously, those were different teams. Uh, those teams have sort of gone in different directions since then, but Dak has been problematic as far as turnovers. He's got 11 interceptions in the last seven weeks. Um I feel like Dallas is a team that could beat anybody in the NFL, but they could also beat themselves. You just flip the coin. Like, are you going to get the performance you got against the Eagles where Dak carves up a defense? Are you going to get the performance you got against Washington where it was just atrocious? And that was a game that meant a lot to them. If the Eagles had lost and, you know, the Eagles game was close all the way through. If the Eagles had lost, that was for the two seed for them. And they just didn't show up and their defense didn't show up and their defense is banged up. I don't think, the Buccaneers are good. I don't think they're a good football team. I think they're poorly coached, but they do have Tom Brady. And Brady threw for 432 yards in week 17 against the Panthers. Mike Evans had 207 yards. Chris Godwin had 120. Uh, and then they really didn't play a whole lot week 18. I think this is a battle of styles. Like the Cowboys want to score a lot and win shootouts because their defense is not very good. They're really banged up in the secondary. The Bucs are going to play slower because they believe in running the ball 40 times a game. They believe in running the ball on second and long to set up third and long, and then asking Tom Brady to bail them out. I don't know. I, I, I don't know if playoff Tom Brady shows back up or not. This is, this is the game. This is going to be a really exciting game to watch. Um, I, I'm going to say Dallas wins this one, but really there's no outcome in this game that could shock me. It would not shock me at all if Tampa pulls this one out. I was shocked at their performance against rookie quarterback Sam Howell, who looks very, very good. He should have been playing a lot more than 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 just that one game, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, I, the the Cowboys had a chance if they won that game and the Eagles lost. That was the story of the week that the Cowboys would would then be NFC NFC uh, NFC's champions, and they they put on that poor performance. And correct me if I'm wrong, Shane. I think Dak leads the league at interceptions, and he missed five games. You know how yes. hard that is to do to lead the league in interceptions thrown, and you miss four or five games in the year. That is just that is that is pitiful stuff. He's been a turnover machine this season, and uh, in the postseason, that's not going to work. Even if it is against a a uh, very what do I, how, what word do I want to use? Just a just a poor poor Tampa team that snuck their way into the postseason in, a, in a, an incredibly bad division. But it is Tom Brady, and we all know what he can do in the postseason. And of course, we'll all be rooting for for them to knock out uh, knock out the Cowboys. Or actually, there's some fans that are hoping for that NFC championship game that will be Eagles versus Dallas. That would be as dramatic as it gets right there. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to hitch my wagon to, to, to the goat Tom Brady on this one based on how Dak has been this season. And if it is a, a shootout, I'm going to take uh, Tom Brady and the wide receiver that has nine straight seasons of a thousand plus yards and Mike Evans. I'll take that. I'll take that all day. So that'll be interesting to see 
uh, in the postseason. Shane, you want to get obviously less concerning for us Eagles fans, but uh, you want to get into the AFC side of things. Very interesting what's going on with Miami and as they stare Josh Allen in the face and they're probably not going to have their starting quarterback to, to help them. Yeah, that's uh that is not going to be a good football game. <laughs> and it, it's just, it's sad to see. It's sad to see the Dolphins season derailed with injuries the way it was. Um, I think it's the wise thing for Tua not to play in this game. And it's probably a credit to Mike McDaniel and the staff for putting that ahead of this game. Cause you know they want to go compete in this game, and you know they're not going to do that with Skylar Thompson. Uh, this is the Sunday noon game or one o'clock game, noon where I'm at. I would imagine there might be a lot of game, a lot of TVs tuning out of this game early. I think Buffalo will just cakewalk through this one. Yeah, it's tough, man, because you know the two thing. What is it? His third concussion this year? Is it his third, or yeah. at least third time he's been in protocol? And there's no way they're going to rush him in there, especially after, you know, all the scrutiny they've already gotten this season, all the handling stuff just went down. They're not going to throw 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 their uh, throw their guy out there in the midst of all that. They're going to pray to God that Scott Thompson can just throw it as hard as he can and Tyreek will be around the area somewhere. But it's not it's not going to be pretty. Buffalo, gen- being generous, Buffalo probably wins this game by two scores, but it's probably going to be uglier than that. But <laughs> it's going to be they, they have all the momentum running, you know, the the, the Hamlin stuff and. They're rolling right now, and it's it's gonna Buffalo is gonna be tough to tough to stop until they run into the juggernaut Chiefs, which we all expect them uh, uh, expect that to happen. So the next game, a game where uh, another starting quarterback might not be able to help their team in the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, I can say a lot of things about the way they're handling this Lamar Jackson situation. If, if I'm, I saw you say this earlier. I think it was you, Shane, where you would say, "If I'm Lamar, I'm not taking another snap for this team." You just paid Roquan Smith and made him the highest paid off-ball linebacker in, in in league history. And I've been asking for. I'm just asking to get paid. I'm not saying I want to be the highest paid quarterback, or maybe he is, but he has no agent, no representation. He's just going in there and he wants to be paid. And then you went and paid a guy that's been with this team for all of what six, seven, eight weeks, mm-hmm. and you and you made him the highest paid off-ball linebacker mm-hmm. in NFL history. And now Lamar is staring at this team who is going to play a Cincinnati Bengals team that is also rolling. Joe Burrow is very hot right now. And, and, and Lamar is looking at it like, I, why, why, why should I, why should I, I'm hurt. You're not paying me. Why should I, you should go out there with Huntley or whoever the other option is and see how you fare against that. And if you get, if you get crushed, you can look me in the face and say, you need me and pay me what I'm supposed to be. So what are we expecting out of that, uh, out of, out of that AFC wildcard game between the Ravens and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase and the Cincinnati Bengals? Yeah, I, I absolutely would not play in this game. And I don't know if that's what's happening. I mean, it could be the injury lingering. It's hard. Not... It's hard to speculate what's happening yeah. with that whole situation. But if that is what's happening, and I'm, I'm Lamar Jackson, I, I support that. Like, he has tried to get paid by the Ravens. The Ravens have not only not paid him, they've put nothing around him to support him. Uh, I would not play this game on a knee that's not 100%. I would not play fully healthy next year on a franchise tag. I'm not taking another snap in a Ravens uniform until you make a long-term commitment to me. Uh, And so I don't think he's going to play in this game. And Mm -hmm. it kind of sucks that this is a Sunday night game because if he doesn't play, I think it's going to be boring. Cincinnati's rolling. They've won eight straight games, excluding the Monday night football, no contest. Ravens don't know if Lamar's going to play. Now the Ravens defense has done well against Burrow two of his worst three EPA performances this year have been against this Ravens defense. Uh, but at a certain point, you're not winning a playoff game with Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown against the Bengals. So I think the Bengals 
kind of rolling this one too. The mitigating factor here is this is a divisional game. These are two teams that don't like each other. Those games can get a little funky sometimes, but I'll take the Bengals in this one. Yeah, I think that's the way it's going. It's Sunday night, such a prominent spot for it. And yeah, Lamar is probably going to stick it to the franchise and say, try and win this game without me and <laughs> see how that works out for you. So it's a, it's a shame. They, they, of course, have no receivers. Deshaun Jackson was just uh, – was just, was just released. Not that he was helping the team, the team a whole lot. So it's just a lot of things going on with that franchise. I actually have that team pegged if they work it out with Lamar as as a top destination for uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's rumored to be moved uh, next offseason. So if they work it out with Lamar, can find a way to get DeAndre Hopkins. It could be a very different tune next season. But it'd be uh, funny if pe- they traded Marquise <laughs> Brown to the Cardinals and then they go get DeAndre Hopkins from the Cardinals. Well, that's 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 yeah, that'd be that that would certainly be something everything comes uh a full full circle. But yeah, if I'm Roquan Smith, I mean it's hard it's hard to feel for him. He just wants to get paid, but very bad look for the for the franchise if I'm if I'm the uh if I'm if I'm the Ravens after paying that guy who's been here for half the season. So the one game that might have or should have, you know, both quarterbacks starting, both started quarterbacks starting uh, the Los Angeles Chargers against the Jacksonville Jaguars who made their way into the postseason thanks to Doug Peterson and the way he's uh, he's turned around that franchise. I especially I really, 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 really want to take the Jaguars in this game, but I'm having a hard time believing that they can beat Justin Herbert and the uh, and the Chargers. And it's not because I'm not the biggest Trevor Lawrence fan. It's just because I believe that the Chargers just have more firepower on on offense how do you kind of see that game shaking out i so desperately want to want to hitch my wagon to the jaguars but i'm having a tough time doing so well a lot of it probably comes down to if mike williams plays uh, mm-hmm. because brandon staley is a moron the the chargers were locked into the five seed and they played their starters uh in week 18 and mike williams who's already missed four games this year injured his back and had to be helped off the field Joey Bosa, who's missed 12 games, got hurt in the second quarter and he didn't return. And after all that, he made the decision to keep Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler in until the fourth quarter. And then late in the fourth quarter, Keenan Allen, the only other receiver on your team worth anything, he was catching passes from Chase Daniel. Like, Mm -hmm. just absurd game management. And this is from a guy who does not play Justin Herbert in the preseason. He put him out there in what is essentially a preseason game. So Mm -hmm. just... Brandon Staley makes me sick sometimes, but the the Chargers were my preseason Super Bowl pick. Obviously, they've oh, been wow. tremendously injured this season, and they stumbled into the playoffs here. And uh, you look at them, you look at Jacksonville. Jacksonville has won six of their last seven, and they've done it in different ways. Like Trevor Lawrence has a couple three hundred yard games. Travis Etienne has a couple hundred yard games. They've only given up seven points per week the last three weeks. The Chargers have a shoddy run defense. They're mm-hmm. last in the league in yards per carry allowed. And so you get, you know, Trevor Lawrence in his first playoff game. Hopefully you're going to be able to lean on the running game with Travis Etienne. I'm going to be pulling hard for the Jags because of Doug Peterson. But I'm kind of like you. I have a hard time picking them, even though it's going to be a home game. Uh, I have so much – I have no faith in the Chargers coaching staff, but I have so much faith in Justin Herbert. And it is concerning. The Titans – are a very good defense, but it's concerning how bad the Jags offense looked against the Titans. So I'm going to take the chargers in this one, but I do think this is going to be the game of the week. Yeah, it should be the best, the best game of the weekend. Two teams that are, that are for for the most part healthy. You mentioned Mike Williams, um, but, but they, they have their quarterbacks and it's a statement game for pretty much both of them. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, his first postseason game, Justin Herbert, I believe also this is his first time making the postseason, right? So 
I think I think so because I remember the whole tie debacle and that whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So so that was that was the whole thing. So very, uh, everybody will certainly have their eyes on that game as far as the AFC concerned. Lowest remaining seed will go on to play uh, the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, and then they'll figure out the whole like what is it the neutral like AFC championship game and that whole thing. They'll they'll figure that whole thing out with the no contest between the Bills and the uh, and the Bengals. Shane, any other things you want to hit on as far as uh, Wild Card Weekend, the Eagles before we go ahead and get into the uh, get into a break and then dive into the mailbag portion of the show. Now, I think that's about it. I'm looking forward to wild card weekend, but I'm looking more forward to divisional round when I get to see the Eagles play at full strength for the first time in a month. Of course, of course. That, I think the last time we saw the full strength was, the, well, you can't really consider Chicago the Giants game when they were up 21 nothing in the first quarter. That's probably the last time we felt incredibly good about uh, uh, about this team. But I would argue that divisional weekend is is the best weekend of, of football. Like championship weekend is cool, wild card's cool, but divisional round is where I think you get the best matchups, the most drama. Um, we got we got a very good one last season, so looking forward to that as well. We're going to get into a quick break here. When we come back, we have a few mailbag questions from you guys on Twitter. We'll answer those and uh, give our final thoughts as we put the bow on the regular season here. Eagles go 14-3, and clinch the number one overall seed, and now await the lowest remaining seed out of uh, the NFC wildcard round. Keep it locked right here to uh, BGN Radio here on Bleeding Green Nation. This is the EPA podcast. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back here on the EPA podcast. We're going to dive into a mailbag. We put out a plea on Twitter for user questions. Uh, had some DM to me, had some commented there. And so we're going to work our way through some of those for you guys. So uh, our first question here wants to look at the positive side of having new coordinators. Thinks that we're going to be likely to lose one or both coordinators. And so they want to know what, would a, what could a new coordinator do differently next season to improve the situations on offense uh, and or defense. So, Victor, what could a new coordinator on either side of the ball bring to the table next year that would be helpful to the team? 
Yeah, well, I mean, offensively, I'm not sure what more you could ask from from Steichen. Jalen Hurts took a phenomenal leap this season, leaps we don't see very often between quarterbacks from their uh, second and third season. Josh Allen is always the name that people bring up to compare it to. But even then, I, I this has been such an astronomical leap that I'm not sure what more you could have asked from Shane Steichen. Even the creativity, like you saw it, some of it in the uh, Dallas game, what they drew up for Minshew and uh, and uh, and Devontae Smith and things like that. So offensively, I'm perfectly fine. I don't think there's much more. You can uh you can you can edit there defensively. I know every fan is screaming to be more more aggressive on defense. Now the argument here is that people want the Jim Johnson defense and all that stuff. But when you have a team who broke the franchise record in sacks, you had 70 sacks this season. How much more aggressive do you really want this defense to be? They want to see more blitzes. Uh, they say Gannon is too passive at times, play too much soft coverage. So from the from the eyes of the fans and their perspective, I'm sure they would like the defensive coordinator to come in here. And, uh, and be more aggressive. My gripe with the whole thing is that if Gannon does leave, I see people screaming for Vic Fangio. Now, the thing with that is Vic Fangio's footprints are all over this defense. Like, his, his fingerprints, rather, are all over this defense. He had input into this defense, and he had influence because he was not only here over the offseason. Uh, Gannon does a lot of similar things. So if you're screaming for Jonathan Gannon to be to be gone and go somewhere else and you want Vic Fangio to be here, you're not going to see a lot of different things. You're going to see some similar schemes. Um, so so if I had to answer that, I guess something that a defensive coordinator could do. I don't know if it improves the defense, but it would definitely be a different look is to is to, is to uh, bring a more aggressive scheme, blitz more. Don't play as much soft coverage is because the Eagles defense has been infinitely better in, in man coverage. So I guess the defensive coordinator could implement more man coverage if you, if you want to see some improvements next year. Yeah. For, for me uh, on offense, I would say just having a little bit of a less simplistic offense. So the Eagles offense is very simple. It's very collegey, uh, which has been fine. They've executed at a high level this year. Uh, our players are better than your players. You can't stop us. That sort of thing. But you think about games like the Colts game where the Colts they the Colts stopped the inside zone stuff, which it's not as simple as just replicating what they did. It was their personnel, but their coverage was really good because they knew the menu of concepts the Eagles want to run. They want to run uh, verticals. They want to run slant flat. They want to run sail. They want to run dagger. That's pretty much your Eagles passing attack at mesh. That's pretty much all that's on the menu. And while that's been fine this year, uh, you get into a good defense like San Francisco in the playoffs. I don't know if you're going to be able to run that at that high of a level, but certainly after an off season when teams are scouting and they've pegged you as one of the contenders that they need to have a plan ready for the offense is going to need to evolve. And so a less simplistic offense. And I think Shane Steichen would do that next year uh, if he's still here, but I don't think he will. So I think you're going to bring somebody new in and get some new ideas to help flesh out the offense. And then on defense, I think a less vanilla defense the, the Eagles defense isn't simple, but it is it's vanilla. It gives you the same looks every snap, pre-snap and that sort of thing. And just for example, like Kazir White, as he was struggling in coverage, I would love for the Eagles to have done some things like, you know, let's mug him up in an A gap and maybe we're going to blitz him. Maybe we're not. And make teams think about it, because if we just know, oh, he's going to be a quarter flat defender on the weak side of the field every play. Well, we can take advantage of that because we're going to beat him in coverage versus he lines up here, but now he's in coverage somewhere else or he blitzed or just a little bit more of a dict dictatorial approach, dictate to the D or to the offense what they can and can't do. So uh, 
and just being quicker to adjust, which you could probably say that for every coordinator, but being quicker <laughs> to bracket, you know, CD lamb in the slot with a safety uh, slot corner inside out, that sort of thing. So uh, being a little quicker to adjust, I think that the adjustments Gannon has made in games have been good. Sometimes they just come too late. So I, I overall, I don't have many quibbles with either the Eagles offense or defensive schemes, but those are some things that I would like to see, you know, if they're getting a new coordinator next year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that, I think, I think that um, it would be interesting to see the names because Brian Johnson is the guy here. We're going to see a lot of the, of the similar things and um, I'm not sure who the, uh, who the uh, de- defensive guys would be. I saw a name of, of a guy who wants to kind of remain on the East coast. I have to go back and, and see the name, um, but it would be interesting to see who the, uh, who the candidates become if Gannon, if Gannon does leave. So, so we'll keep an eye out on that. All right. Our next question is also about the defense. It's how do you think elite quarterbacks in the AFC uh, will handle our defense? So I'll lead us off with this one. I went to go look up just the splits when under pressure and not under pressure for Allen Mahomes and Burrow. And uh, Josh Allen doubles his turnover worthy play percentage when he's under pressure, it goes from 3.1 to 6.1. Uh, Mahomes goes more than double from 1.6 to 3.8 and Burroughs goes up like five times from 1.1 to 5.1 and and Burroughs offensive lines really banged up too, by the way. So I I think you look at that, you want a team that's able to get pressure without blitzing against these elite quarterbacks. You know, last year, the Bengals uh, gave Mahomes a lot of problems dropping eight into coverage. The Eagles can drop seven. They're not going to drop eight. That's not what they do, but they're going to drop seven into coverage. And they're still going to be able to get some pressure, which I think is key against these elite quarterbacks. But at the end of the day, elite quarterbacks are going to do what elite quarterbacks do. Uh, They're elite for a reason. But all three of those guys are in the top eight in terms of yards per attempt. If you can make them check it down and execute long drives, that's what you want to do because it just takes one sack to kill a drive. And Mahomes especially – and this is, you know, this is like saying the way to beat Tom Brady was to get interior pressure up the middle. Like that's the way to beat every quarterback. But for Brady, that's the only weakness we could find. So it's the one we talked about for 15 years, especially Mahomes. He gets a little frantic sometimes. He wants to hunt big plays and he knows he can do it. And so he'll try to do a little too much sometimes. So, you know, overall, they're going to fare well. It's about winning the reps you can. To, it's about letting him complete seven passes in a row for three yards each and then getting a sack that gets him into a second and 18. And now you're in a position uh, that's favorable to you. So elite quarterbacks are elite. They're going to have, they're going to win 80, 90% of the reps. It's what you do in that 10 to 20. Yeah. uh, It's if, if any fan says they can confidently believe that we're going to stop any of the AFC elite quarterbacks, just go back and watch the saints game and watch Andy Dalton and Taysom Hill combine for 20 for 24. That'll tell you all you need to hear right there. If you're getting diced up by Andy Dalton, um, Mahomes, Josh Allen, whoever it's going to be. uh, Yeah. That, that, that I expect them to carve up the defense as well. But to your point, it's not about stopping the quarterbacks. It's about making the stops when you can and, uh, and don't let them go on consecutive streaks of completing 12 to 13 passes you're not going to fare out well they're not if, if especially i think where the defense really really can get in trouble is the consecutive uh uh third down conversions because once you keep like what was that saints drive like nine minutes and some change like that first mm-hmm. drive and then you come out three and out bam defense back on the field that's like that's reminiscent of like chip kelly era stuff when the defense is gassed by halftime and then they're not going to do a whole lot to stop offenses in the, in the second half so you can get away from the streaks 
of, of consecutive <laughs> pass completions and third out conversions, I think you can be okay. But yeah, uh, Mahomes and Allen and those boys are, are, are going to have a field day with Gannon's defense if, if they don't do something about it. And even that Saints game, as high completion percentage as those quarterbacks were, after the opening drive, they scored six points and got sacked right. seven times. So I don't care right. about completion percentage. And But what changed, you mentioned they were 4-4 four four on third down, that opening drive. And I think I, I think it was like 2 of 10 or 3 of 10 after that. Zero sacks on the opening drive, seven uh, on the other drive. So, you know, it, it, it's – you're going to – you're going to – you're going to get death by a thousand paper cuts until you don't. And it's in that big play. You've got to bring the guy down when you get a hand on him. You've got to yep. reel in the pass instead of letting it go off your hands. Those sort of things. Mm-hmm. So, okay. Breaking from football here a little bit. We had this, uh, Victor, what is the proper speed to listen to podcasts? When you listen to oh, podcasts, man. what are you listening on? Um, so I, I know our uh, like our head in chief here, Michael Kiss, asked this question uh, on Twitter not too long ago. And I saw a lot of people say one and a half speed. Um, see what, when I, especially when, when, when I do uh, my show at, at the Philly pod and I always listen to it back, I think I talk faster than, than normal. When I talk to people, especially other content creators, they say, they say I talk at a normal speed. I, I nitpick the speed at which I talk. So I always listen at uh, at a normal, just like 1.0, 1.0 speed. Even when I edit my shows, uh, I slow myself down like the tempo just a little bit. Cause I'm scared of the listeners not being able to keep up. With, uh, with with what I'm saying, the people that listen to one and a half speed, I if you if you guys do that, I guess just to try and get through the show, that all power to you. I've never heard of people doing that. That was the first I've ever seen it when Kist mentioned it on Twitter. So I always thought just a normal 1.0 speed was 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 the normal speeds. But if if 1.5 is the way to go, then hey, who who am I? <laughs> yeah, 1.5 is the only answer. Uh, what? How? How do you keep up with it? I don't know. How do you follow anything? (laughs) I've done that for so long. It just sounds normal now. Like if I listen, I I was listening to an audio book with my wife, we were traveling and uh, she wanted to listen to it on 1.0. And it was the most painful experience ever. Everything was so slow. And uh, it's strange because like normal conversations, it doesn't sound like people talk slow. But as soon as I'm listening to a podcast, I crank that thing up to 1.5 every time. Dang. Oh, yeah. I don't have the mental capacity to, <laughs> to, to keep up with all that. But especially when you listen to like, like storytelling podcasts, like my girlfriend listens to all these like murder shows and all this. Like if you listen to that, I wanted to have speed. How can you even follow now, the, uh, the, uh, the, the thing? Like, yeah. Now, if it's like if it's like in character voice acting, it's a little bit different. Like I'm not sitting out here <laughs> watching movies and stuff on one point five. It's just right, wrong. Right. But just a podcast, regular podcast. Digest the information. I get it. I get yeah, it's one point five. So. All right, our next one diving into draft content here was, do you think the Eagles could package pick 10 and 31 uh, to move up to around, they said pick seven for Jalen Carter? What do you think, Victor? Would you do that? Do you think they could do that? I definitely think that Howie is going to do something with that. Ten- like the thing is, is that if the Eagles, this is why that, Kyle, that that Saints loss was so detrimental because you need to improve that draft pick. If that pack, if that pick was top like seven, I think Howie would use it, stay put, and use it on a much needed uh, cornerback, whatever the situation is. Ringo's out of reach now to this point, so I, I don't think they'll be able to grab him. Now that it's ten, knowing Howie, he's probably going to try to flip it either for war capital next season and just keep the pattern going. Like I'm going to keep flipping this capital into the following draft until we find the prospect that we like. So I think they could. I, I doubt he's keeping number ten. I think they're either going to uh, 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 trade back. 
or they're or he's going to trade that pick for an additional pick next year and just keep that pattern going. Uh, if Jalen Carter is certainly there at six, seven, eight, uh, he could definitely package both of those picks to move up. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, but I'd be very surprised if Howie just stayed put at 10 and didn't do anything with it. I think he's either going to trade back, package it to move up, or package it to get more draft ammo for the following draft. Yeah, I, I think they could do that. I think it would be an overpay to move up three spots, though, to give up two first to go up three spots. And I don't – that's not I, – I would love – I'd be fine with a Jalen Carter pick. I don't think I'd want to spend two first-round picks to get another defensive tackle after they just right. got Jordan Davis. So mm-hmm. I think they could do that. But I think if you were to move up there, it's probably looking for something, uh, something a little bit different. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. If it, if it has to be a stud corner because, you know, Bradbury's probably gone next offseason. Slay's not getting any older. And I'm seeing a lot of Slay, uh, Slay slander, you know, recently. So <laughs> some fans might be starting to sour on him. So you definitely got to get a get a get a young cornerback prospect in here. Um, you know, I, I really like Ringo, uh, Cam Smith, uh, you know, a lot of those guys. We're going to have to see who's within reach and who Howie really, really, really likes in the draft coming in the spring. All right, here's our next one. We've got uh, Victor rank the following breakfast foods. Mm. We've got biscuits and gravy, pancakes, eggs, waffles, and French toast. See, see, my issue with, well, not my issue, but like my problem in life is that I've never, I've never been a big breakfast person. Like by the time, like I, I wake up and like you know get ready, and then I just get to the grind. So by the time I realize, I look up and it's two p.m. and I'm like, dang, I haven't eaten yet. And then it's like lunchtime by then. But the day, say if it's like a weekend, it's like a brunch or something. I'm a big, I'm really big on French toast. I, I like, I like French toast personally. Biscuits and gravy is more of a southern thing, I think. So I haven't had it too often, and in my lifetime. So if I had to rank it, I would say from from the from the batter from the batter products <laughs> french so toast. five to one yeah french I'll, I'll go french toast i'll go i'll go french see is eggs like is eggs is more of a side to the french toast though so how is it by itself but i'll rank it i'll rank that it is second true eggs because, is kind of a side that goes yeah like how these. am i supposed to have that as just a platter unless they mean omelets then okay so i'll do french toast i'll say eggs because that includes omelets scramble whatever you're going to do i really don't like uh sunny side up I, I can't do the roni yolk. I can't do any of that. But I'll, I'll do French toast. I'll do eggs for the sake of omelets and then uh, waffles and then pancakes and then uh, biscuits and gravy. Only because I haven't had it that often, but maybe I should uh, should uh, dabble into that field one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so we're big. We're big like breakfast for dinner people here, which just oh, means, okay. which just means, oh, no, I forgot to plan for dinner tonight. And the kids are hungry. Let's make a whole bunch of eggs because that's easy and requires no planning. So we, crack eight of them in a pan, scramble it. There we go. quite frequently have breakfast for dinner, which is problematic now that eighteen eggs is like ten dollars. But uh, <laughs> anyways, so I'll go. My number one is biscuits and gravy. Maybe that is more of a southern thing. I love biscuits and gravy. Uh, number two, I'm going to go pancakes, uh, especially if you put like chocolate chips in the pancakes. I know I'm like a twelve year old at heart, but Chocolate chip pancakes are the bomb. Uh, French toast is going to come in at number three for me. I'm a big fan of good French toast. Very good. Stuff French st- toast. Ooh. Ooh yeah. I, had that. I, I stuck eggs at four, but eggs go with all of these. All right. So yeah. it, it, but if it's just having eggs by itself, I'd put that four. And I put waffles five. Not a big waffles guy. I mm-hmm. think they're think they're lesser than pancakes. They don't offer anything pancakes don't, <laughs> but they're a lot harder to clean up after. So you need special equipment to make your waffle. I'm out on waffles. Waffles. If I had to get rid of breakfast food, it's waffles. 
waffle maker. I will say this, as far as the eggs are concerned, my favorite brunch dish is eggs Benedict with like a good hollandaise sauce. So, so, so good. So eggs Benedict, that's why I have eggs second because eggs Benedict is very, very slept on in the breakfast world. So next time y'all go to a brunch, wherever you go, don't go to Cracker Barrel, but wherever you go, <laughs> make sure you grab an eggs, eggs Benedict. They are very top of my, uh, my breakfast foods tier. See, my favorite thing, you get the biscuit and gravy, like open face gravy on the biscuit, and then you put like scrambled eggs on top of it and eat it all together. Mm. That's good I have stuff. To, I'll have to do it. Is it the white gravy or the or the dark gravy? White, white gravy. gravy. Always oh, white I gravy. I love white gravy. gravy. So good. Yeah. All right. I'll have to do that. I'm not a big brown gravy brown gravy guy. It's okay on a few things, but give me white gravy all day. Okay, I have another one here. We're, we're going to rank Howie Roseman's best moves this offseason. And so the four moves given were uh, signing J.J. Redick, uh, signing James Bradbury, trading for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and the trade for A.J. Brown. So uh, hey, I'll go first on this one. I'll give you a second to think. I threw you out there last time. So I said number one is signing Hassan Redick. I signed him to a three-year, $45 million deal. That's tied for the 16th highest. Uh, average annual value among edge rushers and he set the or uh he, he ends the year second in sacks with 16 second in pass rush win rate at 28 percent and tied for ninth for the most pressures with 68 so uh, reddick is my number one you went and signed him to a very friendly deal and he played at an elite level so my number two is going to be signing james bradbury one year 7.25 million dollars that was such a steal Yes, it's only going to be one year. He's going to walk, but you gave up nothing but money for him. So Bradbury is my number two. A.J. Brown is number three, and that might seem crazy. Uh, A.J. Brown was obviously a huge addition, but in terms of value that they got, they did have to give up the number or the number 18 pick, the number 101 pick. They signed him to a four-year, $100 million deal. You would do that any day of the week. But you still had to give up a lot. You didn't have to give up anything but money for Reddick and Bradbury. So I put Brown at number three. He sets the Eagles single season franchise receiving record at 1496. Uh, who knows what the Eagles offense and Jalen Hurts looks like without him. And then the last one, I put Chauncey Gardner-Johnson at four. I love the move. They gave up almost nothing for him at 2023rd, fifth, a 2024 sixth for Chauncey and a 2025 seventh. And he, like Deck Prescott, Led the NFL in interceptions despite missing five games. So big, four big impact moves for Howie this offseason. Howie had a phenomenal offseason, but I'm going Reddick, Bradbury, Brown, Johnson. How about you? Yeah, I'm stunned you have AJ at three. I guess it makes sense from the value perspective because that's who you that's what you gave up the most for in order to acquire him. But I have to I have to put him first only because he he epitomizes what exactly like a true like alpha number one wide receiver does for a young quarterback does for an offense like and to your point what does this offense look like without without aj brown like you had devonta smith as your as essentially a wr1 last year and granted he had over over a thousand yards this year but as as a true as as special as devonta smith is like as a true wide receiver one and true like number one corners on him all the time does aj does does Jalen Hurts have the same success if AJ Brown wasn't here? I think he was such an important piece for obvious reasons. We don't have to run down the uh, the the list of things that AJ Brown has done this this season and the records he's broken, especially as far as Eagles franchise history is concerned. But man, he just he 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 gave. I think he single handedly 
increased Jalen Hurts' confidence, not only from a friendship perspective, but just as I can throw this up and there's at least bare minimum 50% chance he's, he's going to catch this. I think that's so important for a young quarterback, especially in between your second and third season, that it transformed his confidence altogether. I, I think it, it did so much for Hurts and, and this offense that it's hard it's 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 he he almost outproduced the entire Titans wide receiver quarters this season like like he, that 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 he set career highs with Jalen Hurts like it's I I understand the draft capital you gave up um but if you would have told me that our our first round selection essentially is, is gave us that production like it's hard to, it's hard to fault it and I just think the way the trade went down they listened to Jalen Hurts and and they brought a guy in here that single handedly transformed the offense I think that's it's hard to not put him number one just because. He, he carried and he didn't miss a single game. Everybody, all the Titans fans are like, oh, his hamstring's going to bother him. He's going to be out for a few games. He played in every game. Yes, he got dinged up here and there, but he also played every game. I think that's important as well. Hassan Reddick got two for me at 16 sacks. So like, what, what more can you say? That $45 million year contract is woefully undervalued at this point. Under, like, he's, he's underpaid. Like, and he's probably sitting there looking at his agent like, man, we probably could, we probably could ask for a little bit more. But what are you going to do? He's here for the next two seasons. And the production he's given, I'm shocked he's not in defensive player of the year. At least I'm not saying he deserves the award. But to at least not, I'm not hearing his name in the conversation. That is, that is, that is depressing. Like it's very, very glad that Hassan Reddick came back home, did what he did this season. Thirty-five solo uh, solo tackles, sixteen point oh sacks. One of four players to have double-digit sacks. I think that's the first time, not only Eagles history, but I think is it NFL history that a defense had four players. Over yeah, it's, it's never happened before. Never happened before. And people want to blame Gannon. It is it is what it is. James Bradbury, for me, is number three. Um, the Giants did him a disservice by cutting him as late as they did after all their teams spent their money in free agency. So what did Bradbury have to do? I'll take $7 million with somebody, and then I'll just ball out over there, get the bag next offseason. And that's exactly what he did by teaming up with Darius Slay in that secondary. Worth every penny. Um, like you said, he's going to walk. That's almost a given at this point. But he, he created the best cornerback tandem that i've seen in my time um i know bobby and troy vincent come to come to mind for some people lito and sheldon but this is the best cornerback tandem that i had the pleasure of watching and how we go ahead and grabbing him for that for that 10 million dollars was a 7 million guaranteed whatever it was for james badbury that was uh that was that was number one thank you by the giants because they just handled that so so poorly and good on howie by doing that and as great as as gardner johnson was like you i have him number four just because you know, the other guys have been so great. Yeah, but when you're tied for the league leader in interceptions, we had the arguments countless times on the show about was he the beneficiary of just being in the right place at the right time and all of those things. But Howie went ahead, grabbed him from the Saints because CJ wanted, wanted to be paid like a safety. And the Saints said, you play, you play nickel corner for us. We're going to pay you like a nickel corner. CJ said, forget that. I want top money. I'm not playing for you guys anymore. Howie comes and says, hey, if you can play safety for us, because that's the only hole in the roster we have. So come play safety for us. If you ball out like a safety, we'll pay you like a safety. And I believe, Shane, like I don't know if you saw the embrace after after they clinched, but if you saw the uh, the, the way that Howie and CJ were hugging each other, I, I'd be shocked if he wasn't among the first people paid this offseason. So good on CJ Garner-Johnson for coming here, proving that he can be the versatile player that he was in New Orleans, playing some slot, I believe as well and letting letting Reed Blankenship play safety while we don't have to watch Josiah Scott anymore because Avante Maddox is still walking around in that boot. So I don't I don't anticipate seeing him in the divisional round. Uh, but you're good on CJ. I'm sorry to put you forth, but that's that's just the way it goes, man. <laughs> yeah, when when there were so many good moves in the offseason, somebody's got to be fourth. Right. Uh, yep. And we definitely appreciate Chauncey Gardner Johnson. So great offseason by Howie Roseman. 
there. We've got two questions left here. Uh, Victor, if you had to pick three players to play both ways for the Eagles, so we're going way back, got guys playing both sides of the ball. Mm -hmm. Who would you pick to play both ways and why? Yeah, so first person that comes to mind is Darius Slay, only because I believe they tried it once last season, like they had him running around in the backfield on offense. And Darius Slay has made it known multiple times that I want to run routes. I can go out there, I can run routes, and I can catch. And he did say he would have 1,500 yards with with uh, with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. He said that this year. So he's the first guy that comes to mind. Next, I would say Gardner Johnson, just because he obviously has the ball skills. A lot of those interceptions he had this season were just great hands, you know, picking that ball up before it hits the ground. He has, he has really good hands, really good ball skills. I think he could he could go out there and play slot receiver for a little bit. And then uh, Devontae Smith, only because um, he said he could lock Slay up on defense. So he could probably go out there and play corner, give a couple reps out there. We, we know he has great hands. He could probably challenge for a few interceptions. Uh, those, are, those are the three guys that, that come to mind for me. Yeah, did, did, wasn't there a video uh, in training camp of Slay mm-hmm. running routes against Devontae yep. Smith? Yeah, Locked him up too. <laughs> yeah, so I put I put Slay at wide receiver as well for the same reasons you mentioned, just to see if he could do it. Uh, Talked all then, that smack. Might as well go try, right? <laughs> might as well try it out. Uh, and then I put Jordan Davis as a right guard. Could you imagine? Oh, could oh, you yeah. imagine the run blocking? of Jordan Davis. Who's going to try to get in that guy's way? So get Jordan Davis moving forward, especially at the goal line. Put him at fullback, too. Put him at fullback in the goal line. I'd love that. That'd be hilarious. And then uh, I put Jalen Hurts as a safety. Oh. I think, think he's athletic enough. What? Uh, give me a quarterback trying to read another quarterback's eyes and okay. imagine him Imagine him lining up, you know, Terry McLaurin or CeeDee Lamb to pop those guys when they're coming up the seam. He can hit. He's like, is he rangy enough? Likes to is he rangy enough? Though. He's kind of small. Like, was he six one? Is he rangy enough to get it to get to? I don't know if he has the wingspan, the ball radius, the catch radius. <laughs> I don't know. I'd love to see it though. Except oh, I wouldn't. I, you're not putting your <laughs> none of this is going to happen. This is just hypothetical. Uh, Jalen Hurts is the safety archetype. Let's middle see linebacker. Put him in middle linebacker. Slot corner. Slot corner. <laughs> I thought about saying to put Jordan Mailata as a defensive tackle too. He, Ooh, was, yeah. he was on my list, but I didn't want to just like say, "Hey, let's make the defensive tackle an offensive lineman and the offensive yeah, lineman boring. That's defensive boring. tackle." So, all right, last one here. Victor, assume that you know for a fact the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Okay, so we're not saying you know what's the easiest path to get there. Give me the Seahawks, the Giants, whatever. What would be the most satisfying path to that Super Bowl victory? So I'll lead us off here on this one. Uh, divisional round, uh, I'm going to say playing playing and beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, exercising the playoff demons from last year. I would have picked the Giants and James Bradbury getting like a pick six on the first play of the game or something, but I, I couldn't pick the Giants for reasons that will become apparent here in a moment. Uh, I could have picked the Cowboys, but it would be hilarious if the Cowboys lost to the Buccaneers. So I didn't want to knock off the Cowboys because I don't want them to get a win. So uh, Buccaneers in the divisional round to exercise those demons. Conference championship game, victory over the Minnesota Vikings at the link, 38-7. to We'll trot the flea flicker out. We'll do it all for old time's sake. So 38-7, victory over the Vikings in the conference championship. And then in the Super Bowl, we got to match up with the Chiefs. Uh, Andy Reid. Not that we bear any ill will towards Andy Reid, but it would be a cool matchup. And then to see Jalen Hurts go beat the guy that's likely going to win the MVP and Patrick Mahomes, uh, we could have fun with that all offseason about Hurts beating the MVP. So he should have been the MVP. So 
I'll go Bucks, Vikings, specifically 38 to 7. Uh, <laughs> and then the Chiefs. That's 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 interesting. For for me, uh I would I would take the Giants in the divisional round just because uh beating up on an NFC East, you know, you know, rival and, and knocking them out, nothing more satisfying, satisfying than that. To your point, James Barry Bradbury gets 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 the revenge. And uh I, I would like to see them beat down uh, uh the Giants. And then the NFC championship game. Nothing better than the <laughs> it makes me shudder just to think about it. But man, a Dallas and if NFC championship game, just the I'm I'm pretty sure the NFL already pretty much has this like scripted out because you want to talk about revenue and like drama and like storyline, like just the rivalry in the NFC championship game, like winner goes to the Super Bowl, Eagles and Dallas, just the trash talking, the fan bases. It would be iconic, and I would love nothing more for my brand, for nothing else, for nothing else more for us. Eagles fans, could you imagine like the bragging rights from now till forever? We beat <laughs> we beat Dak Prescott, Michael Parsons, and the Dallas Cowboys, and on our turf and went on to the Super Bowl and knocked them out, and they still fold in the playoffs. Like I can't think of a more better way. Now on the flip side, we lose that game. Yeah, my delete Twitter. <laughs> my yeah, delete. but we already know from this exercise the Eagles won, so it's just what. We yeah, 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 yeah. What's more satisfied? What's more satisfied than that? I think that's even more satisfying than beating down on the Vikings. But I'm with you as far as the Super Bowl is concerned. You go to you you go to the Super Bowl. You face uh, former Eagles head coach Andy Reid. You take you, you take down Big Red Jalen Hurts versus the uh, the guy that essentially stole his MVP award in and in, in Patrick Mahomes. Um, you beat them. It doesn't get more more satisfying than uh than beating the pretty much the face of the league right now and and, and Pat Mahomes and uh and uh and uh, holding up that Lombardi Trophy. So yeah, for me, Giants just because NFC East like doormat like beat them and then you go into another NFC East rival in Dallas, beat them to stop them from going to the Super Bowl, and then you go take down Big Red Mahomes, the lone obstacle that's been in front of Jalen Hurts pretty much all season long without actually facing him. You go in front of that in front of, in front of that obstacle, you overcome that. And uh, and and he brings uh, Philadelphia its second Super Bowl title. So that's the path I would I would like to see. <laughs> now I, I I flirted with that idea as well. Beat an <laughs> NFC East rival. Beat an NFC East rival. Beat your former head coach. Like yep. that that would also be an awesome path. So maybe you guys can let us know when this goes out on Twitter or let us know here on YouTube on the comments. What's your ideal path to winning the Eagles Super Bowl? What would be most satisfying to you? So uh, that's gonna about wrap it up for our mailbag. Uh, Victor, before we get out of here, you got any final thoughts or anything that you want to plug or get off your chest? I'm not just, it's been a fun uh, regular season of uh, 14 and three, you know, most wins in franchise history. I know it didn't end on the note that a lot of you fans uh, essentially wanted it to. You probably wanted the fireworks beat down the Giants 49 three or whatever the case is. But the most important thing is, is that aside from Lane Johnson, and we really don't know what's going on with a, uh, with Avante Maddox that the Eagles are, are going to be healthy for the most part, two weeks more of Jalen hurts. I know all the speculation out there, like it's more than a sprain and he was hurting after the game and he was sore. I think hurts is going to be for the most part. Okay. We're going to see that juggernaut offense that, that we saw all season long in the, uh, in, in the divisional game. Just don't take it for granted because I see a lot of fans are, are, are trying to find the negatives in this and, trying to you know discredit Gannon and for all this like this is a really special team we had the pleasure of watching this year and we might not ever see a team like this again even if hurts aj brown devonta smith all these guys are here for the foreseeable future it's really really hard to win in the nfl it's hard to get to the postseason it's hard to get to a super bowl let alone win it and when you have a team this successful you can't take these moments for granted and i see a lot of fans just finding reasons to 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 to, to be negative about it so just enjoy the ride whatever happens and uh it's been it's it's been fun. Can't wait to can't wait to keep doing this throughout the postseason. Hopefully, go on the you know another Super Bowl, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy the ride. Um, and it, after 2017, we thought we were going to be a dynasty and that obviously derailed really quick. Mm-hmm. So enjoy it for what it is. It's a special team. It's going to be a radically different team next year. You're probably going to lose one or both coordinators. You're going to lose a lot of guys off of this mm-hmm. defense. You might be facing a. You're probably facing a Jason Kelsey retirement. So enjoy watching some of these. Oh, you think so? Play. Huh? I, I uh, think I think them picking uh, Cam Jurgens by by Kelsey's request pretty well solidified that. But we'll see. Um, Brandon Graham, like a lot of these, a lot of these. He might be done. He who knows done. how much time is going to be left with those guys? So enjoy the ride. I've certainly enjoyed it. Really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week to hear what Victor and I have to say, supporting the podcast, all of that stuff. So, uh, and like Victor said, I'm looking forward to doing three or four more of these shows in the lead up to the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's definitely going to be uh, uh, exciting for the, for what it's worth. The Eagles, I believe, I think this was a stat I saw this week, the first team in NFL history to clinch a number one seed within five years with the different head coaches and different quarterbacks. I think that they're the first team to do that. So it's just been special. I know everybody hates Gannon and this and that, but man, 70 sacks, what are you going to do? It's the most productive Eagles season we've seen ever especially in my lifetime. So just try to enjoy the ride guys. I know it's, I know it's, 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 it's uneasy and you try to nitpick and find the, find the negative things, but it's, 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 it's a special team. And a lot of these guys, I get sad to think about it because a lot of these guys, like you said, aren't going to be here next year. we got a long free agent list and this is why you go all in this year. Cause you're not going to be able to pay everybody. So let's, let's, let's hope they bring it home this year for it, uh, for, for, for the city of Philadelphia. Yeah, absolutely. Well, now that we brought everybody's mood down a little here. Uh, I'm just saying. Week. Yeah. But yeah, enjoy it. Uh, enjoy the postseason run. Enjoy a stress-free wildcard weekend, finding out who the matchups are going to be. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. Uh, like Victor said at the top, make sure you're subscribed. Drop us five-star ratings and reviews. That really helps out the show. You can follow Victor everywhere on social media at the Philly pod. I'm on Twitter at half and half underscore TPL. I'm on YouTube at Shane half NFL, where I put out Eagles all 22 content. You can go check that out. Uh, Nothing new this week. Didn't feel like talking about that giants game, but uh, we will see you guys next week. We'll be back in your feed, breaking down whoever it is that the Eagles end up and and obviously giving our victory predictions. We'll just tell you what our scores are going to be. Uh, next week so for me uh, Victor from BGN Radio appreciate you guys and we will catch you next time go birds Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. 
It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.